Hello and welcome to the Billowing Hilltop podcast, the very first Billowing Hilltop podcast. My name is Mike and I'm here with my friend Paul. Hello, Paul. Hello. We decided that we would record our regular Wednesday night Dungeons and Dragons sessions and turn it into what the world really needed, which was another actual play podcast. We're going to be playing an adventure path called The Age of Worms. Now, if you don't know what an adventure path is, it's a series of Dungeons and Dragons adventures split out into chapters, in this case, 12 chapters, which takes a set of characters basically from zeros to heroes. And we're going to be starting with the first chapter of The Age of Worms, which is called The Whispering Cairn and was written by Eric Mona, who is now a big noise in the role-playing game industry. Paizo originally published The Age of Worms in the pages of Dungeon Magazine way back in 2005. We've been playing Dungeons & Dragons for a very long time now. Uh, 41 years, says Johnny, one of our players, regularly. We've played it through all its different variants and forms right back from the very beginning. And we've also played a little bit of... uh, Paul, you're going to tell me if you remember any of these game systems. Uh, Shadowrun. No. Really? Yeah, no, of course I do. Call of Cthulhu? Yeah. Starfinder? Yes. Yes, that's the space one. The other yes. one. Alternity? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, oh, no, no. No, okay. Anyway, we've played a lot of D&D and a lot of other games, and we currently play Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, which we're all getting used to, having played quite a bit of Pathfinder and so forth. They're all very similar, these versions, but we're just getting used to it, so excuse the occasional rule research moment. Now... It helps us greatly if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever podcast app you prefer. And if you give us a rating or you give us a review, uh, you can find us at billowinghilltop.com. You can email us at hello at billowinghilltop.com or you can look for us on Facebook and Twitter. I think that's about it, Paul. Anything else? Yes. No, I think that's good. Um, I think we should get ready, steal ourselves for your performance. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, we'll get the spooky music ready as I try and keep a straight face for long enough to do a bit of a story intro. Well, I'm just winding up the record player. Well, I'm just doing my uh, stretches my and my vocal uh, whatever's, gymnastics. No, not vocal. And that's it. We won't hold you up any further. Let the awkwardness commence. And without further ado, let's have episode one, Too Much, Too Young. Let me welcome you to Diamond Lake. Because nobody else will. Diamond Lake is an unfriendly place. People with the desperate, the venal and the crazed. This town is the last stop before destitution. Working in the mines for weeks at a time, breathing recycled air, spending any precious time above ground in the gambling dens and ale halls, fighting, drunk, insensible, desperate. If you have ended up in Diamond Lake, or worse still, were born here, all you want to do is get out. All everyone wants to do is get out. Well, almost everyone. Because Diamond Lake sits only three days' ride east of Evenstar, the great city perched on the edge of the world, and Evenstar is greedy. Greedy for iron, greedy for silver, and willing to pay. Which means that there are fortunes to be made. Fortunes for the mine managers, fortunes for the town leaders, fortunes for those who know how to grift and skim and exploit. And Diamond Lake has another resource. The hills around the town are infested with tombs and burial cairns left by long-dead civilizations. The time once was that the treasures to be looted could make someone rich overnight. The wealthy of Evenstar are avid collectors of the mysterious. But those days are gone now. Now only a handful of treasure seekers pick their way over the carcass, and fewer still return with anything of value. Until a few days ago, out of the midwinter dark came a trio of treasure seekers. They began asking questions. They knew something. Their intention was to explore. They had information from Evenstar. Travelling alongside them from Evenstar was a young half-elf, with striking grey hair and mismatched eyes, one green and one grey, called Cuthbert Ouch Splinter. Cuthbert had overheard their chatter one evening when the brandy was being passed around the fire. They were looking for something they called the Whispering Cairn, a tomb as yet unrobbed of its treasures. Cuthbert had been sent out to Diamond Lake by his family, more specifically by his terrifying grandmother. The ouch splinters are traders and brokers and rich. He stood in her parlour, the winter outside the window. Go to Diamond Lake, she instructed. Find me the drug Calamanthus. We need a supply. And so Cuthbert finds himself at Lazar's place, a dragon chess hall where players play the game for high stakes. 
Calamanthus is harvested around the Twilight Monastery, just north of the town, and the monks use Lazars as their trading point. There are a few there now, and one young monk seems to be paying Cuthbert more than the usual attention. This monk is Parker. Parker is a half-orc, green, brutish and tusked. He sits nervously next to his master. Parker has a secret. He had been tasked with polishing the oracle mirror in the heart of his monastery, and snatched one forbidden glimpse into its depths. He had seen a vision. A figure standing in the entrance of one of the Cairn tombs. A figure who regarded him with one grey and one green eye. In the darkness of the tomb he could sense danger and opportunity, and all around there was a sound, an almost human whispering, that echoed through his imagination. One green and one grey eye. Parker is compelled to approach. It is not long before Parker and Cuthbert are companions in greed. Surely the tomb in Parker's vision is the Whispering Cairn. Where is it to be found? And it so happens the answer is only the flick of a coin away. For also at Lazar's that night, idling his way through another windless evening at the tables, is a young halfling called Sessions Eper, a priest of the Lady Luck, Misfortune. And his lucky coin has just told him something. Those two, she whispers in his mind, those two young fellows have something in their future. Snakes or ladders I know not, but I tell thee, Sessions, you should see to it that you know them, and know them quick. Two young seekers in need of local knowledge, and a local in need of a lucky break and a beer, is not long before Cuthbert, Parker and Sessions are bound in the same enterprise. There is only one problem. Sessions has no idea where the Whispering Cairn may be found. But he does know the very fellows to ask, his cousin Grimbold, a waspish, balding sorcerer, embittered by failure and cursed with ill looks, and his friend Burple Herpish, yes, Burple Herpish, a resentful, talentless young minstrel, so burdened by his strange celestial heritage that all the world is his enemy. It means splitting between five instead of three, but what is a third of nothing? And so the very next morning, Five mismatched heroes, united in greed but riven by mutual distrust, set out through the snow into the Cairn Hills in search of fortune. Let us see if fortune seeks them out in turn. D&D, 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 hello, let's play some D&D, hello and welcome everybody. I am here with a load of people, Lucas and Dan and Graham and Johnny and Paul. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello, everybody. Now, we're going to start our story at the entrance to this mysterious cairn in the Cairn Hills above Diamond Lake. By the time you hear this, I've probably dropped in a little bit of an intro to the story and set the scene of Diamond Lake, set the scene with some of our characters. We thought about doing a long uh, Session Zero intro where each of our players and characters were introduced in detail, but we prefer to let the characters kind of reveal themselves as we go along. The more you join us on this story, the more you will learn about the characters, um, their backstories, their secrets, and how they're involved with the world and the story. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to zip around the table, introduce each player, or say hello to each player. They're going to tell us a little bit about their character, and then we'll get straight back to the entrance to the can and the story. So Going around the table, starting with uh, Lucas. Hello, Lucas. Hello. Uh, Lucas, you're running a character called Parker. Tell, yeah. tell us about Parker. Parker is a monk, uh, and he's a half-orc. Mm. Yes. So he has a strange green hue and right. uh, very bushy eyebrows. Okay, uh, nice. Anything else you want to tell us about Parker? No, not really? Uh, no, let's that's move. good enough for the moment. Okay, let's move on. Uh, next to you, it's Graham. Hello, Graham. Hello, Mike. Tell us about your character, Graham. Uh, okay, so I'm going to run uh, Session Zeeper, uh, Cleric of Misfortune. And at this stage, I don't know too much about Sessions, but uh, he will be rolling his lucky holy symbol between his fingers, which is a gold coin. Right, so Misfortune is the, is the deity, uh, the lady yeah, luck. the trickster god. Right in gotcha. D&D terms. Um, and what is a halfling or halfling? Yes. And I think he will be uh, the cousin of Grimbold, who's probably the ah, next. Okay. Well, we'll come to Grimbold in a minute. Um, but let's uh, before we get to Grimbold, let's uh, Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, tell me, tell me about your character and why you like it. Uh, I like it because he's got funny eyes. No, he's called uh, Burple Herpish. Burple Herpish, and he is an Azimar 
bard. Azimar is a sort of celestial, half celestial right. descendant. So he's got okay, kind yeah. of weird white eyes. Uh, right. He lives in a bin, and uh, okay. that's about it, really. Okay, excellent. Uh, and then we've got Paul. Hello, Paul. Hello. Paul, tell us about your character I, very quickly. All right, very quickly. My character is Cuthbert Ouch Splinter from the family house Ouch Splinter, who are based in Evenstar. He's a half elf. Evenstar, sorry, Evenstar. So our adventure is set in Diamond Lake. Evenstar is the is the big city, uh, about three days ride away. Okay, yeah. Yep. Uh, he's a half elf uh, fighter. He's got one green and one grey eye and uh, bushy eyebrows. Uh-huh, yes. And then finally, we have Johnny. Hello, Johnny. Hello. Johnny, tell us about your character. So I'm running Grimbold Flange, who is a um, sorcerer, halfling. He's uh, short, obviously, being a halfling. He's uh, grubby. Uh, He's got shifty eyes. Yes. And uh, he's a bit down. You know, he doesn't have much money. He works. He's from Diamond Lake. He works with Durskin on his... uh, his barge across the lake, helping out. Yep. Um, um, uh, That's enough. Okay, thank you very much. So, um, <laughs> oh, so, hang on, I was about to do some more interesting stuff there. Oh, well, give me the interesting stuff. Go on then, sorry, I feel bad. I've forgotten now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really interesting. Really well written down. Broke up the flow of... So we have a half-orc monk. We have a halfling cleric of the trickster uh, goddess, uh, Misfortune, the Lady Luck. We have an Azimar bard, Burple Herfish. We have a half-elf fighter, Cuthbert, who is uh, visiting Diamond Lake from the big city of Evenstar. And we have the grubby, small Grimbold Flange, who has interesting things that we haven't been told about him and Johnny can't remember. And that's it. So I think we should get on. Let's get to the can, uh, the entrance to the can, and start our story. So you're up in the hills. There is brush, scrub, kind of wiry trees. You have a dig about, you have a bit of a search, and you find the entrance heading off into the hillside. So it's winter and it's late in the afternoon, but there is just enough light to illuminate a passage, a long passage extending north into darkness. There's a faint breeze all around. Maybe your ears are deceiving you, but it seems to conjure these kind of whispers that sound a bit like a sighing breath. It's almost lifelike. Peering in, you can see that the walls of this passage bear kind of horizontal bands of patterns at about waist level. Sometimes it's very detailed, and other places it looks like the pattern or the wall has been kind of hacked at. Maybe by weapons, or maybe it's just the passage of time, and there are little flakes of paint in brilliant colours still clinging to the walls in places so it must have once been a, a really colorful kind of a riot of color and there's a covering of dust that coats the floor i'm gonna cast a light spell on a pebble there's a cantrip pebble around my neck and then i'm gonna i'm walking towards the entrance uh I'm not stepping into the corridor because it's i think there's probably going to be a pit trap there yeah 20 foot radius and then dim light for another 20 feet and you can see that just inside the hallway branches into a couple of shallow alcoves to the east and west and it's here that the walls bear the most significant damage anyone else want to venture in uh, i would like to torch mike okay or well, don't trust my light spell no no <laughs> gonna move up uh, gonna roll a perception check see if i can something moving or hear anything giving a 14 no getting a 16 sorry 16 straight away one thing is clear and that is Off in the distance to the north, there is, you know, maybe a hundred feet or so away, there is a dim, faint, flickering green light. But it's past the point that you can see in the torchlight. I've got dark vision. It opens up a bit. Okay, once I've got my torch alight, Mike, I'll put it in my shield hand and move up behind Grimbold. I also want to cast a light spell on a pebble. I've got three light sources. Uh, And then I'll do a dissonant dissonant whisper spell on Johnny. (laughs) So it requires a real (laughs) name. What does that do? <laughs> Requires a wisdom save where you take 3d6 psychic damage. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll steal all his magic and run away. He's only a Samalcrum anyway. <laughs> okay, so you've cast a light spell. What does he mean to go on? The I real think... Grimbold is standing about 50 feet behind you. <laughs> Not looking very happy. I'm going to say, yeah. Okay, yeah. you have a bit of a search around. Make a perception check. Plus two. That's a good idea. So you're searching in the kind of brush and scrub around the tomb entrance. 17. Okay, so that's a good check. And you don't see anything of any particular interest. Okay. I, I want to throw my light pebble in 
into the corridor. I want to come throw it further down. 30, 40, so you're just going to skitter it. Yeah. Skitter it down there. Into the darkness, try to illuminate a bit more of the... How far? Uh, sort of 40, 50 feet in front of you? Yeah. The sort of stuff on the floor. Do you want to make a survival check or a perception check? Perception I can do. Survival, not so much. Uh, is there a survival skill in D&D? I can't remember. Uh, yes, there Michael. is. A perception. Uh, you notice that there are some tracks, Purple, on the floor. Now, they lead kind of to and fro. You think they look like animal tracks of some sort. They're Probably not, not a small animal either. Like um, something, something medium-y. Make an intelligence check. Not my strong suit. Uh, Eleven. It's not going to be easy if you're down, is it? Eleven is, is not a disgrace. It's probably something it's like a wolf or a small bear or something, something with paws and claws. Okay. Okay. I understand what we're dealing with here. So I'm going to shout, shout. and do the thing out. Let it all out. I'm, I'm going to shout and then run around the corner and hide. No, I'm going to shout. shout. Uh, <laughs> I could do a thunderclap, actually, as a, as a cantrip. It's, I probably won't, because everyone will take 1d6 damage, so I won't do that. <laughs> Have you decided who the fighter is in the party, by the way? Yeah. You know, the person standing at the front. You. You. Always you. We have uh, anyone that can do fighting, by the way. Well, well, I really I thought that far Paul, ahead. Yeah. Is Paul, uh, Paul, are you an archie, archery fighter? Uh, I'm a fighting type. I'm not an archery type fighter. You're, you're a stand at the front, take loads of damage fighter. Not that either. I'm more of a springy, nimble kind of run around kind of fighter. Has anybody, it was interesting to hear all your character backgrounds, but has anybody given any thought to what characters you might bring down as replacements? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't... We're going there already. Interestingly, Burple has an identical twin brother. Um, <laughs> Does he now? Yes. I'm going to... I'm going to teleport... Well, you were Dan, you were no. going to... What are you going to do? You're going to make a noise or cast a spell? Or? Yeah, I was going to... I'm just shouting. I'll do my wolf whistle. I think it, it echoes down the passageway, eventually, you know, sort of uh, dying out. Nothing immediately... Nothing immediately comes uh, uh, scuttling out. Maybe they're out hunting. What about Parker. He's, he's moving up, okay. Right, I'm uh, going to advance a little bit further because no one else is doing anything. First die. As you move up, you can see a little bit more. You can see a little bit further. And Parker too, if he's okay. moving up with you. We're all doing this. I'm going to reach forward as well. Move forward about 30. But now, are we coming up to some kind of crossroads here, Mike? Well, you're coming up to a couple of alcoves. It's alcoves. One leads off to the east and one leads off to the west. That looks like quite an ornate floor underneath. Yes, it does. Yes, and the carvings look a little bit more ornate. In the western alcove, there's a little lump of uh, soiled cloth about the size of a halfling. And are we, which direction are we travelling in? You're travelling north. So these alcoves are what? They're about 60, 70 feet deep by about 60 feet high. They're, they're more than alcoves, well, the, aren't they? Well, the... The, the corridors are about 20 feet wide, uh, and these are a little bit wider, and the ceilings are about 20 feet high. All right, well, I'm going to go and stealthily, using a stealth skill, which is something I can roll. 17. So you're a rogue, are you? No, I'm a fighter. No. Uh, okay. I'm going to... I'm just trying to investigate further towards the kind of... of about, I would say about 30 foot away, 20, 30 foot away from the end. Okay, and what are you doing... Other than that, while looking predominantly, moving stealthily and looking at, let's move in and let's give me a perception. I'll give you a perception check, certainly. That is a perception of 21. Well, that's pretty good. And what you detect is amongst the patterned bands in the stonework, there are little tubes that have been embedded in that pattern work. And the strange whispering sounds that <laughs> fill this hall seem to come from those tubes. Okay. So it looks like it's a deliberately crafted structure. Yeah. What about these rags? Well, what are you gonna you're gonna you're gonna touch them? Can you they look quite grubby. Oh, am I anywhere near them? They're just about another they're about another uh, ten feet away from you, nestled up against the end of the alcove. Alright. I'm gonna I'm gonna have I'd normally carry two weapons. I'm gonna put the offhand weapon away, the short sword away. I'm gonna have just the rapier out, and I'm just going to move a bit further forward, and with the kind of tip of the rapier, I'm going to see if I could just gently lift up the rag 
to see if there's anything underneath. Yeah, well, they are brittle. Okay, they're quite old. Yeah, quite old. Grimbold, Sessions, and Burple. You're all local kids. Could you all make a an intelligence, a knowledge intelligence check? 17. Okay, the others don't need to worry. You remember something, Six. Uh, Burple. You remember that there was a kid that was rumoured to... Well, there was a kid that went missing a few years ago. And uh, kids come up to this tomb. I and mean, this is how you know about it, because you used to... Uh, come up here as a kind of dare you would never venture in further than the opening but the rumor is that the girl that went missing she actually got lost in this cairn and it's not beyond the realms of possibility that this could be the little bedroll of somebody like that and is there nothing underneath it no it's just it's uh, basically it's just a a bedroll it's an old uh, crunch up with age kind of soiled little blankety thing uh, a bit like Johnny yeah (laughs) (laughs) I can interact with an object to pick up my pebble yeah and I can throw it another 40 40 feet into the room so kind of yeah sure yep and now you can see that there's another intersection or rather there's a spur that goes off to the west but on the other side it's all collapsed Okay, since uh, Burple seems to be uh, leading at scouting... His friends call him Burple Herpish. I think you might have missed Burple that Herpish. Bit. Burple Herpish. It's not <laughs> just Burple. Burple, Burple Herpish. Herpish. He's Burple he has Herpish. quite a temper. You know, he's a bit... BH. Yeah. No. Burple Herpish. <laughs> I'm going to... Move up to Burple Herpish. Yes. Burple Herpish. Yeah. I'm going to just... Purple Herpes is very nasty. Touch him on the shoulder and whisper the, the blessing of misfortune on him. But what's... Of misfortune? What's that do? That's a, that's a, doesn't that's sound good. very good. No, well, oh, it's, okay. you know, it's it's misfortune. You should now have um, advantage on stealth checks, dexterity stealth checks. The moment that everyone else moves up, I see that Grimbold is now running up the middle. <laughs> Parker, you're still, Parker, you're still hanging back. Cuthbert that's is still safe. in the alcove with the bedroll. You have the blessing of the trickster. Okay, uh, let me describe what you can see. the The western alcove. It's pretty much like the uh, first alcove you uncovered. It's pretty plain. The eastern alcove, or to the east, it's just rubble. Okay, I'm going to go up to the to the poo, and I'm going to do a kind of uh, a Bear grills kind of uh, <laughs> grab a bit of it, sort of um, rub it between my fingers, well, you smell can, it, and you then can make an, go, no, uh, you can make an that. intelligent survival check. Uh, yeah, that's going to work. Okay, well, I may as well help you. Oh. Uh, 16. I'm running really well. This well, morning, you think it's you think yet. it's the uh, whatever it is that's been laying these tracks, and the closest thing uh, you can think of that you know is dog shit. So wolf is looking increasingly likely. And you're now a bit uh, a bit pooey. I'll just wipe it on Parker. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. <laughs> on his robes. Yeah, nice. Parker, there's not much to be seen in the first the uh, the eastern alcove. It's pretty. So even if I search it a bit. You want to make a perception check? Yes. Uh, seven. 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 Mm, yeah. There's not much else to be uh, to be cleaned. Is this place like builds? Is it is it brickwork or is it stonework or is it just tunnels or? No, it's brickwork and it's got broken away and intricate patterning. So it looks like an underground kind of temple or something like that. Yeah, you think it's a tomb? I mean, these little cairn tombs are dotted all around the cairn hills. Um, <clears throat> and they've all been uh, they've all been robbed out. I mean, you think the legend is? I mean, none of you are particularly hot on ancient history, uh, but you think the legend is that warriors or dignitaries or of some ancient civilization are buried here in this cluster of tombs. And uh, many years ago, anything that was of uh, any value was stripped out and brought back to Evenstar. As I've said before, Evenstar calls the shots up here. You may Is have there? the opportunity to explore somewhere that has actually got okay. something left in it. Oh, What's this. the significance of the wall with all the holes in it? Well, you think it's a piece of what you might call acoustic engineering, for want of a better word. Why would they want acoustic engineering a tomb? Mm, good question. Maybe it's just to uh, spook people. Mm, but it's weird. clearly been deliberately constructed so that whatever ambient air currents that are around the hill are manipulated by these pipeworks, these kind of intricate tube works, to produce this eerie, sibilant whispering sound. Is there uh, an eerie whispering sound? Yes. I mean, that's why it's uh, that's why it's nah. called the whispering can. I think you must have nah. been a little bit asleep at that bit. Yeah. Are you asleep, Johnny? Nah. Not yet. Not sure. Yet. 
You're certain? Are you are you are you lying down? But I am lying down on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. However, okay. I didn't cycle into work today. <laughs> I worked at home, so I got a bit of energy. A bit of energy. <laughs> What's that? That doesn't sound very um. Bit of energy. I don't think we want to. Broadcast. Let's breeze past that, uh, shall we? <laughs> Are okay. you wearing your special pajamas, Jilly? Uh, no comment. Right. So let's go back to the uh, go back to the action. Burple has pushed on a bit further. Anybody gonna nose on up to this uh, second oh, yes. set of alcoves? I'm gonna roll a stealth again because I don't want to miss out on that. That. So I. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. H. Okay. So a bit clunky. Those saucepans in my pack. Yeah, or you uh, maybe you knock a little bit of rubble loose or something and it skitters around a bit. I'll move up behind uh, Cuthbert. Yes, Ouch. Grimbold is moving up, okay. Parker is moving up. So you're all moving up to the second intersection. So, Parker, what you can see... I'm going to go up and have a look up there. This area to the east is clearly completely gone. It looks like the whole thing has collapsed and gone. It looks like there's little to be found there. In the western alcove, though, there is something of a little more interest. Let me describe it to you. This alcove is about 40 foot long, and at the end, there's a a little marble platform about six inches off the floor. And on top of this platform, there's a kind of of apparatus, a, a sort of shattered apparatus, and it's got an oval frame, of which there's only like a third left. So it's like the frame, like, uh, it's like the frame of a mirror, yeah, but it's broken away. And there's a weird little arcane glyph. Actually, it's not that little. It's about the size of a human head, and it's delicately carved into the base of the platform. Anybody going over there? Yes. Is anyone uh, going to head up? Yeah. You are? Okay. You can see that there's a platform. It's about 10 feet, maybe a little more uh, square. And on top of it is something that looks like, uh, well, maybe it was once like a mirror, but that ornate oval frame has broken away, so there's only a little bit left. And anything that was in that frame is gone, but there are some shards of this material on the platform in front of it and the glyph carved into the platform itself. Nobody's getting very close. Okay, so Burple, you're about 15 feet away from this platform, having a look at it. Grimbold hanging back a bit. Everyone else tucked up around the corner, looking nervous. Cuthbert was there a moment ago, has now gone. I'm hiding behind Sejan's side of mine. <laughs> as a sorcerer, can I recognise the glyph as some kind of magic? Make an intelligence arcana check. Arcana, right. Okay, sorry. Or maybe a history check. Oh, it is intelligence, right? Yeah, it's intelligence, yeah. I'll make a knowledge check, right? Twelve. Yeah. What you know is that the glyph, it's not from a language that you're familiar with. It's its something to do with, a, it's a symbol for the element of air or elemental air. That's what you think. Okay, I share this with Burple and, and Grimbold in our... Mm-hmm. Little huddle. Yeah, I knew. But at that distance, that's pretty much all you're going to be able to determine. I mean, really. <laughs> it sounds like it's an arcane thing, so I think Grimble should go and have a good look. Uh, yeah, do we have any magic types in the, in the party? Grim, Grimble, do you look... Uh, I think he has arcane stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. We've got a slightly chubby um, wizard. No, not chubby. Not chubby. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then you're not a proper halfling. Solidly built. Uh, mm. Big boned. Yeah, I don't recognise the symbol. I, I don't really don't feel qualified to go and have a closer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's all you're probably all you're going to learn from uh, where you are, <laughs> unless you go right up and stick your face right in it. Somebody make a, a perception. You know, um, the three at the front. I'm going to go further in. Oh, so Cuthbert, you're oh, you're up. piling right up to it. I'm going to make a perception that you were suggesting. Come on. Yeah, make a perception. Yeah. Cuthbert, make a, perce- make a perception check. But I'll make a Plus one. 16. 4. 22. Natural 20. You reckon you can't see them close enough to learn any more about it, but there are some other runes and glyphs carved into the inside of the rim of the frame, and there are shards of some kind of glassy material on the platform in front of this frame as well. Perception in front of me, and I'll move up looking for... Could be I'm going to leave it to everyone else. I'm just going to set back over here. It could be explosive <laughs> rooms, actually. Back <laughs> off a little bit. From your new vantage point sessions, do you want to make a, make an intelligence arcana check? See if you can learn something about these runes. You're either rolling just your intelligence or an arcana bonus if you have it. Yeah, I don't. 
but I get a 12. I, this is, this is, this is in the realm of sorcery. Yes, Scots of Grimbold, get up there. Well, 12, a gentleman's 12, uh, that's not a disgrace. You think that the runes on the frame are conjuration runes, and there's something to do with transportation. Something to do with... Under. You know that it's possible to use magic to transport oneself or others instantly across great distances. You don't know enough to understand the specifics, but you understand that that's the kind of line of country that you're in. Okay. I'm going to copy them down. As best as you can from where you are, from 10 feet away. Right, get my smartphone out, take a photo. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to go up. Further. Okay. Famous last words. So you're right now, you're right there. You can see these little shards of material as well. Is it glass? Is it? Glass-ish, stone-ish. I mean, do you want to have a proper... Yeah. Do you want to have a proper look? Okay. Well... I've got plus one in my investigation. Yeah, investigation's probably the right thing to be using. Getting an enormous three. Okay, I mean, three doesn't tell you very much. I mean, are you picking any of them up? Yes. Okay, well, it's a black substance. It feels more like stone than glass. Uh, It's slightly colder to the touch than you would have expected. Okay. I will then uh, walk over to Grimbold, hold it out. Grimbold, what do you think of this, then? I think this is obsidian. (laughs) (laughs) A rare volcanic rock. It's been crafted using magical means. Really? (laughs) There we go. Okay. Okay. You got that without looking at it. Well done. Amazing. Um, I don't to take me to copy down the room. You can. It'll take. It'll take you. Let's say a minute. Okay. To get a good record of what you can see, albeit from a distance. And of course, you can always make a record or take an impression of this uh, this main glyph that is uh, sitting on the stand as well. I will do that. I will draw it all down. Now that we've determined that this is obsidian and it's quite rare and valuable, I might collect some of it. Yeah, you think it might be worth something. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna gather up some and put it in my backpack. Yeah, we can all roll for it later, Paul. But you know, good job. There's a there's a couple of people in Diamond Lake who might be interested. There's a jeweler, a gnome jeweler called Tidwode. He might yeah. be worth checking in on. And then there's the brother of the governor. He's a wizard who studied in Evenstar at the Sorcerer's Spire. He's called uh, Hesty Testapod. He's like the local kind of magic bigwig. And he might be interested in something like this. Yeah. Mm. Hesty testipod. Anybody dare do anything? What about your light spell, Bonds? Uh, sorry, Dan is called Bonds. I should make that clear because this is going to happen over and over again. When I say Bonds, I mean Dan. Purple herpes. You're going to take your light spell with you. Purple herpes. I was over there. Pick it up. Go back. Purple here. herpes. Uh, that's gonna... fine. You're going to chuck it. I don't You're really need chuck it. it up. I've got dark vision, but... Dark vision is 60 foot of uh, kind of dim vision, so uh, you can kind of get the impression of things, but can't make out much detail. Yeah, I, I, it's enough to spot a monster running at you. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll chuck it down there. I remember you're still stealthy. It's not going very well because everyone's kind of around me all the time. So I'm a very nimble, quiet halfling. So I'm going to have a search around the back of the mirror. Okay, make a perception check. Nine. Wow, that's great. Looks pretty featureless. <laughs> I'm going to go back into the main passageway and join Burple and Grimbold as we head north. Can I get perception checks from all of these three who are advancing up the corridor? So, just to be clear, we've now gone past our second set of alcoves, although one of them has collapsed. Now it looks like it's going to open up again into a much larger chamber. Oh, just Hopeless. rubbish. Anybody get anything rubbish, half decent? Got a no. Seven. Three, nine, seven... Okay, so, no, oh, I mean, you can see ahead of uh, you. I'll fill up as well, once I realise they've all fucked off. Ten. You can just roll something into two digits. Ten. Then. Yeah. I tell you what, with the ten perception, this twinkling green light is diffusing through something, and perhaps what it's diffusing through might be a kind of dense mass of spider webs running yes. across east to west across the northern end of this passageway you're exploring but before the spider webs it opens out to the uh, west and the east to the left and the right but it looks a little bit more roomy than what you've seen before yeah okay and then these sounds 
other than the eerie... Um... Not that you can hear, because your perception checks are so awful. Well, I'll move up another 20 foot and do another perception. 30 foot, moving stealthily. Oh, for God's sakes. you got advantage on your Six. stealth. Okay, yeah. The reason I'm doing it, bro. All my stealth I get. Ten. And we've got some absolutely dreadful perception checks. I mean, you're all just sort of bumbling around. I haven't made one. I'm going to make a perception oh, check. Oh, um, well, Burple, make a perception check. You're one of the furthest forward people. I'll move up. Oh, hello. Now 20. 20. There you go. Well, Burple, immediately you can smell animal spore. So if you found some droppings further back, your nose is telling you that there are an awful lot more ahead of you. And the sort of smell of wet fur. You can definitely see with your, your 20 that it's clearly a translucent cobwebs and there's a sort of eerie green light flickering and casting strange shadows. And you could definitely hear kind of ahead and to the east of you a kind of low sort of snarling. From Paul's side. Yeah, on the side that Cuthbert is nearest. Yeah. I do, I'll just take a focus step back. <laughs> he just he just steps back in amazement. Oh, uh, coward. I'm going to do another stealth check. That's more like it. Uh-huh. And I'll go around the corner so I can see all the way around. After about 15 or 20 feet of this corridor, the ceiling has collapsed, so there's rubble. Yeah. Pretty much blocking off the whole thing. But make a perception check, please. Eight. Oh, well, an eight is enough. Uh, you can see the source of the snarling. There's a gap in the rubble, and reflected in this eerie green light, you can see the shape of a pair of canine eyes peering at you, and it's snarling. Canine. And I think that we should roll for initiative. Hurrah! Initiatives. Oh, initiative. Oh, God. Nine. I get a nine. Parker is seven. Cuthbert is nine. What about uh, Burple? Burple Herpish got uh, 14. And what about Sessions Eper? What did he get? He got five. A five. A disastrous five. And finally, we need Grimbold. What did Grimbold get for initiative? Grimbold has stepped away. Well, let's wait for a bit for Grimbold. Yeah. Johnny Johnny yeah. suffers from a crisis of confidence. Often has to go and kind of pep himself up. He's in the bathroom <laughs> at the moment going, Come on, Johnny. Come on, Johnny. <laughs> no. He's gone to seek the advice from William. He's like, he's going, William, William, do I need to roll a bubble below a number? <laughs> Dindy? Dindy? <laughs> Unbelievable. Johnny, you're the one who walked away. away for... <laughs> What'd you get? An eight? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So this creature darts creature? out. What was that? That spider. Runs up. So it runs up to Cuthbert. Well, what it will try and do is try and bite you. It's, an <coughs> uh, it's right at you. Uh, yeah. And Damn. Uh, armor class 13, is that enough? Nope, that's a miss. And then from behind it, a couple more come kind of snarling out of the rubble. And it's Burple's uh, turn. Burple, what do you want to do? I'm going to use my bonus action to utter some stimulating words to Paul, mm -hmm. saying, it's fine, Paul, we got you back. Uh, sorry, Cuthbert. <laughs> Thank you. And what effect does that have? Uh, that has, that gives you, as my bardic inspiration, it gives him an extra d6 that you can use, as is your wont. Um, okay. Hang on, i going to set the value. Um, so uh, you can use it on a attack, a saving throw, or an ability check. Hello. It gives you an extra d6 to use within 10 minutes. Okay, does it, if I add it, if I add it to my tag, does it apply to every attack within those? But you can use it once. Oh, it's once. It's one d six that you can use once. Okay. All right. I suppose it is the first level. Cool. Thank you very much. Plus six on every roll ever. Um, and then uh, right. I, I will move, and then I will do a spell. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I can use that as a bonus action, the bardic inspiration. So as a spell, I'm going to do. Well, let's try the the. Let's try the dissident whispers, shall we? Okay, so the creature that is attacking Cuthbert... Yeah, the wolf, yeah. ...has to make a wisdom saving throw. Yeah. You see a 13. You'll have a go at that. 18. He right. shakes off uh, whatever that was. And so now it's uh, Cuthbert. Cuthbert, what do you want to do? Well, right. Cuthbert's going to attack. 
He's got a weapon in each hand. Can mm -hmm. he do two attacks? He can, uh, as a bonus action. Because he's got two weapon fighting. Yeah, that means he can attack with the... Yeah, that's what it allows him to do. Okay. But you don't add your strength bonus to the damage of the second you, weapon. You do if you've got I, two weapon fighting. Oh, you do? I do. Oh, okay. yeah. Yes, because okay. I have two weapon fighting. Okay. So two attacks. Go First for it. Attack. They're both light weapons. Yes, they are. What are they? Uh, rapier and a short sword. Okay. So you're gonna so you're uh, gonna try and kind of skewer it with your rapier. Skewer it with a rapier. Yeah. They're doing. Oh, I don't think that's gonna help. And uh, well, you'd be surprised. That's rolling a an armor class eight. Armor class eight is a miss. And his second attack, the short sword. Oh dear. Just, just shit. Okay, so you that's my swing round. at it not very successfully. And we go on to Grimbold. Grimbold will do a spell. Yep. So he, wa he waves his hands in his air. In his air? He hasn't got any hair. He mumbles some magic and casts mage armor. Mm -hmm. And he does false life. Got it. It's like, it's like Tolkien is in the room with us. <laughs> <laughs> It's false life. It's a spell that I've never picked before. After e after forty one years of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh God! Note that readers. Readers, dearie <laughs> readers, me. or whoever. <laughs> what do you call people who uh, watch podcasts? Well, okay, the audience then. So for the audience, forty one years of D and D. I bet he's making you a cup of tea at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I taught them everything I know. Right, slide gives me another six hit points. One hour. Okay, always best to be prepared. Let's move on to Parker. Right, uh, I think I will do a move, move. That's it. That's all you can do? Well, I can only do move, move. Okay, so, uh, so it's time for Sessions Eeper. Sessions Eeper. Um, okay, Sessions will draw one of his coins from his bag. He'll toss it in the air. I'm going to cast uh, the Blessing of uh, Misfortune on Cuthbert, Parker, and Burple. Okay. Okay, then. You're doing what? A Bless spell. Bless spell on you three. What does that do? So you add a, a d4 to attack rolls and uh, saving throws. Uh, what else does it do, Sessions? Attack rolls and saving throws before the spell ends. A minute. On? Concentration. A d4. On who? On Parker, Burple, and Cuthbert. Excellent. And just to be clear on this blessing of misfortune, you roll the uh -huh. d4 every time you use it. Yeah. Is that right? Oh, okay. So it's the wolf's turn, and this wolf will have another go at Cuthbert. Okay. It snarls at hey. hopeless. And ah. this wolf, looking wary but snarly, will work its way around, and it will have a snap at Parker. Hitting armor class fifteen, oh, which is a bit God. more uh, like it. In fact, uh, in fact, that's armor class uh, sixteen. Okay, so you Let's take uh, seven points of piercing damage. What? Mm. The first level monsters. Well, uh, you know, medic. seven points of piercing damage, and can you make a strength saving throw DC 11 that's a roll a d20 add your strength modifier looking to get 11 or more there you make it yeah you did it uh, and this one also comes up to you this yeah. could get nasty this is ridiculous oh, and it's another 7 points of piercing damage uh, uh, that might be you no down. I in now but I invoke my relentless endurance tell us about that please when you are reduced to naught hit points, but not killed outright, you can drop to one hit point instead. That's half. You can't use this feature until again until you finish a long rest. That's very cool. So that's because you're a half orc. Ah, uh, yes. And then finally, working its way out at the back. Is it another one? Yeah, and sort of hanging back. The first level. Uh, and it is uh, Burple. <laughs> Mike's Mike teaching us to get a cleric. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Yes. <laughs> you have a cleric. Uh, you have a cleric. We do have a cleric. Oh. Luckily, we've got Burple's twin brother who's waiting outside. <laughs> Hanging around. Just uh, on his phone. Burple? Burple's yes. going to move to there. Bold. So you're, run uh, so you're running he's up. He's going to say, it's okay, uh, whatever your name is, Hood. <laughs> <laughs> Parker. Parker. 
<laughs> don't don't fetch me names. Um, uh, everything will be all fine, be okay, and you can have a bardic inspiration as well, which gives you plus, uh, it gives you a d6 to use on an attack, a save, or an ability check mm. uh, in the next 10 minutes. Attack. And attack or damage, or just the only attack? No, just the attack. Um, and we'll also do a cure wounds. Ah. Yay. Useful. Uh, Creature chance gains a number of hit points using one d eight plus your spell casting ability modifier. So one d eight plus three. Whoa, for me. Roll it, or do you want me to roll it? Five. Thank you very much. But a two. You just wasted my spell. Ugh, you're not getting another one of those. Sorry. Is that a d eight you just rolled? Oh my yeah. god. Wait. Do you see what I had to put up with? Amateurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Next time you're rolling it. <laughs> I've got any more. That's my spell. <laughs> <laughs> Cuthbert is going to roll his... This is going to be a very long podcast series, is it? (laughs) (laughs) 3PK in the first episode. Right, I'm getting plus three to my attack. This is a D... Oh, yeah, from the thingy, yep. From Dan's thingy. Yep. Uh, And then I've got the bless. Yeah, D4. That's on each roll. Uh, So I'm going to add this also. Mm -hmm. So I'm adding six... To my attack, first attack roll. Yep, yep. Let's do it. Uh, which is going to be... Come on, come on. So it's arm plus 19. Yeah, so arm plus 19. Yeah. On the rapier, mm-hmm. which is 1d8 plus 3. 1d6, surely. Uh, no, it's 1d8 plus 3 for the rapier, which is 9 points. 9 points of damage. Damage. Uh-huh. Is it still alive? It is. Oops. All right, in which case I will roll the short sword. Ooh, oh, 20. Great. Now. Well, we were going to do some criticals, but let's just keep things simple. So what you do is you roll the damage uh, twice. Roll the damage twice and then add the modifier. I'll save you the time. It's skewered. Skewed. And we go on to Grimbold. I'm going to fire a chromatic orb. Okay, you roll to hit? Yeah, I've got to roll to hit. Again, this is one of the spells that I've never used before, to my knowledge, in the 41 years <laughs> of playing. Well, it's offensive, that's why, Johnny. It's an offensive well, it's not, way. It's not made armor. Yeah, right. If it's not so, made armor, all run away. <laughs> Expedition <laughs> retreat. Yeah, yeah. Right. And? I'm and? going to roll a... It's a, it's a D20, Johnny. D20, a D20. plus yeah. five. Okay, this is the roll. Here it comes. Twin- oh, oh, it's a critical! Nice. So oh you roll word. the damage twice and add your uh, modifier. Right, so it's basically... It's on the go. He's going to be unbearable if he kills It's going to be fire, by the way. Okay. Oh. He's going to be unbearable, but I got the first kill. 26 points of damage. What? <laughs> Shit, the fuck? <laughs> what? How did he do that? What? Because 3d8 twice. 3d8? Yeah, well, it's completely vaporised. And it's fire damage. Yeah, yeah, it's burnt to a crisp. <laughs> burnt to a crisp. Wolf sausage. <laughs> Excellent work. I mean, uh, wow. Well, well thanks. That, oh, is that the sound well, of, uh, of a golfing clap? Much appreciated. <laughs> Johnny, that was you Is that clapping. you, Johnny? Or is, is that William? It was Johnny clapping. Okay. <laughs> we can edit that out later. Yeah. Parker, it's your right. chance to shine. Well, okay, so... Uh, is that right? With a bless, I add 1d4. You do. Up to the attack. Right. So the first attack, 16 plus 2 plus... Okay. 2 plus 2. So short sword damage... D6. Is 1d6 plus 2 piercing, 4 piercing damage. Yeah, okay. Four points of damage. Uh, well, you stick it with your short sword and it doesn't look and very happy. the second one is, oh. uh, is the bless because I had... Get two attacks. Is this two weapon uh, fighting? That, yeah. So I always get the unarmed strike, which is so that's a six plus two, and there I add your d six. Roll the extra one d six. Yeah. You're on eight so far. Another two, and I'm afraid Ten. that's not enough. Are you moving at all? If you move away from it, it might strike at you as you do uh, so. I'm gonna stay there. You sure? Okay. Yeah. So now it's sessions. Sessions Eper. Sessions Eper. I will move up a little bit to get a bit closer in case I'm needed later. 
I'll clang two of my coins together um, mm-hmm. to create an eerie um, tolling sound. Can it make a wisdom saving throw? Which one? The one that's right uh, That's right on Parker? On Parker, yeah. It's got to make a wisdom saving throw. Uh, my spell DC is 12. Okay, so it gets a magnificent five. So not enough. Not enough. So, so what happens take, to it? Uh, 1d12 damage. Oh, oh. that's pretty useful. Uh, yes, seven. Seven. It keels over. Whatever horrible, unearthly sound you created was enough to send it into the next world. Nice work. And we've got one wolf left. Parker is the the obvious target. It kind of snarls up to him. And uh, it has a bite at him. Oh, 16's going to be enough, isn't it? Well, uh, mm, so, oh dear, that's another seven points of piercing damage. Down again. Relentless endurance, you can only use one. Um, so you're on naught. Uh, hit points, yes. and you're going to be making death saving throws when it comes around to your turn. Sure. But it's not your turn yet. It's time for Burple. Oh, Burple will uh, will. So Parker there. is lying at your feet because he's been downed by this wolf, this last wolf. Yeah, I can't do anything about that this time, but I can mm-hmm. uh, run up and well, I say run up, take Kill a five step forward and Kill hit them. Kill them. So I shall try and hit it with my long sword. Uh, actually hits him at all. Yes. Uh, Hitty. Armor class 21. Oh, that's great. That's a hit. Yep. Thank you very much. Doing the following damage. Combien de points de damage? Six points de damage sur la tête de la monstre. That's a pretty serious blow, but it's still up. Then I'll go and step... Hang on. Oh, no, I can't do that because it will hit me. Does it get an attack? It will do if you step away from it. Yep. You did melee weapon or anything like that. Okay, now I'll stay where I am. Okay, and then it's Cuthbert. Maybe Cuthbert can finish it off. He's going to do his first attack, and he's going to add D4. Yep. Giving him a total of 1 plus 17. That's a hit. It's a hit, doing 1D8 plus 3, doing 6 points of damage. And you skewer the final wolf. Right. Nicely See? done. Uh, is somebody gonna, That's how you do it. What are you, you going to do about Parker? He's down. Oh, uh, well, he'll be fine for now. We'll leave it for a Mike. Mike, Sessions will move up to Parker, place my symbol on his forehead and spare the dying. Right. Thank you. Uh, and that pretty much wraps it up. Thanks, everybody. Uh, that was fun. And we'll pick it up next time. The Billowing Hilltop podcast is a Billowing Hilltop production. Dungeons and Dragons is a trademark of Wizards of the Coast. The Whispering Can and The Age of Worms are copyright Paizo. The Whispering Can was written by Eric Mona. Music is from Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com and is used with thanks under the Creative Commons license. Additional music and sound effects come from the wonderful Sirenscape. All other original material is copyright Billowing Hilltop. Role-playing games are all about getting people together and we use Roll20 as our tabletop, the perfect place to host your game and Discord to host our chat. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 